Hey everybody, this is Atkins. And this is Adam. And we are back to Kyo Cinema. We had to take a cycle off because both of our day jobs are kind of nuts. Mine will continue to be throughout the rest of the summer because it's just the nature of my work. Um, but we, we took a week off. I regret it because we're coming back to the best Dragon Ball Z movie? Question mark? You, you think so? Fusion Reborn? Yeah, do you not think so? I mean, we're getting way ahead of ourselves, but yeah, dude, uh, I stick and love this movie. It's great. It's, yeah, it's good. I really enjoyed it. Um, I don't know that I would go to, to the extent of saying the best. I, I, are we considering uh, the history of Trunks stuff? Is that movie? Yeah. Like It sounds like there's going to be some drama at the end of this episode, so definitely stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know about drama, but we'll see. We'll see. I, you know, I, honestly, I don't know that I've even taken a moment to, to rate this movie yet, which sounds silly. Maybe it was that week off. It fried my brain. I'm not used to what we're doing. I'm like unexperienced all over again. I know, man. It was so weird not, not uh, <laughs> sitting down with you on Tuesday nights and recording stuff for a couple weeks. I didn't know what to do with myself. Um, it was weird, right? Yeah. I mean, I'll basically thank... Thankfully, um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge came out during that window of time. So that's that's what I did basically with my life since then. <laughs> and I studied a whole bunch. I learned a, a lot of new things. So that's fun. Uh, but my brain feels fried. <laughs> well, I'm glad to be getting back into Dragon Me Ball Z movies. Um, you know, this is the second to last, the penultimate Dragon Ball Z movie. How crazy is that? Yeah. Like, it's it's just blown my mind that we've gotten through these movies so quickly. And I say that, you know, we've been recording now for a pretty good chunk of time for Kyo Cinema, but it feels like it's gone by in the blink of an eye. Yeah, we do, like, on the other side of the the set of Dragon Ball Z movies, we do have uh, Path to Power um, and some of the Dragon Ball Z slash super movies to come. And Superheroes is coming out in the U.S. August 19th, so we'll be able to circle back around to that. And who knows what direction we'll take uh, once we're all caught up with all of that. Um, Adam and yeah. I have kicked around some ideas, so uh, it's not like Kyo Cinema's going to go on um, a hiatus forever, at least. Um, we'll, we'll, we've, we, we might keep it around. We'll see. Yeah, we've got a couple ideas we're kicking around in the old bucket, so I'm excited to see what happens here. But first, we got to get through these movies, man. Well, let's talk about Fusion Reborn, which was released on March 4th, 1995. 1995. Jeez, that just felt like yesterday, right? Not for me, but... <laughs> Not me either. Nah. <laughs> for somebody I mean, I... out there, maybe. For some reason, it seems so weird to me to know that these movies came out early as they did, just because I think mainly be like I, they weren't exposed to me until I was a little bit older, if that makes sense. So like yeah, if you had yeah. asked me when Fusion Reborn came out, I would have been like, I don't know, 2007, like at the earliest. The fact that you said 95 just kind of blows my mind. Yeah, I didn't. I was not exposed to anything Dragon Ball or Dragon Ball Z until I was in eighth grade. So I don't know what you How do you in eighth grade? Thirteen. So 2000, I definitely knew about it uh, before that. Like, I want to say I was in elementary school when I was aware of Dragon Ball Z, but I don't think I knew about some of these movies until way later. Well, let's let's dive into this thing. Uh, the timeline placement is during the Boo Saga with a asterisk and a question mark at the end. But uh, Adam, you've you've been a pretty interesting uh, with trying to weave it into this, uh, Dragon Ball Z movie universe. So have you put any thought, uh, to that one? I did. Yeah. So it's kind of weird too, because it, like you said, it takes place literally in the middle of the Boo saga and Goku even makes a reference to Boo later. So like it's canon that Boo was released in this universe. The one thing that I really like, and I, I saw a lot of arguments for this online, so I definitely don't want to say that it's original by any stretch of the imagination. 
is the fact that, you know, in this universe, Boo was summoned, he, he was released, Bobbity had all these plans, and either one of two things happened. Either Goku went Super Saiyan 3 and kicked the shit out of both of them, and they died, and we didn't have to worry about Super Boo or any of the stuff that takes place, and it still explains why Majin Vegeta uh, happened and why he is in the afterlife and dead, so I think that at least explains it, but I kind of don't like it because it's just like, ah, Goku's the hero again, and even in this movie with the intro that they shows where it's really focused around Gohan it feels like they should have ushered in that age of Gohan like I think almost all of us were kind of expecting so in my head canon I like to think that basically Goku ends up back in the afterlife he doesn't end up beating Boo with Super Saiyan 3 however Gohan uh, comes to the rescue and he's actually able to take out Boo and so there's no need for everything else that happens. It doesn't exactly explain why Gotenks is a thing other than maybe they were prepping the boys to be ready in case Gohan failed. Uh, but I like the idea that Gohan effectively was able to take out Boo and Bobbity and he becomes the hero which is why he's kind of the hero of the city in this movie and he's able to get out there and take out the villains and Goku's handling stuff in the afterlife and I like, too, that Gohan never wishes for his dad to come back and fix the problem, if that makes sense. It's like he was prepared to be that main hero. Yeah, yeah. And he he shows out in this movie, even though he doesn't have the spotlight at all. Like, he just straight up one punches final form Frieza. Frieza. Yeah, so um, cool. So, I mean, yeah, he, he definitely gets an upgrade. I was majorly disappointed. I mean, no, I know how this movie ends. Like, this is one of the movies that I'm uh, much more familiar with. It's just the case of recency. Like, uh, at some point, I watched all of these movies uh, in order, and this being one of the the later ones, I've seen it more recently. That's how time works. Um, Yes, it is. (laughs) But yeah, watching the... um, Watching the new intro with it features a heck of a lot less Goku and a heck of a lot more Gohan just felt like one giant tease, especially before this movie. Uh, so because structurally there's like the the problem isn't in, you know, on Earth, it's it's in the afterworld. And so like, yeah, Gohan's not going to be able to handle that. Um, but well, yeah. it's weird, too, because they talk about it like the barrier between the afterworld and the Earth is shattered or not working correctly. So if that's the case, you would think that potentially Gohan could go to that afterworld and help, but they don't like it. It only seems to be one way. It's not bi-directional. So like ghosts appear on earth, but earthlings don't appear in the afterlife. That's true. But which I thought was kind of strange. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but at this time, supposedly at least, um, Goku and Vegeta, well, I don't know. I guess there's an argument to be made that they aren't the strongest out of the, you know, the out of, out of all the earthlings slash the Z fighters, um, relative to your placement of Gohan, you know, and his, yeah, his I think it really depends. Boo. Exactly. Yeah. I think it, it really depends on if you go that route with Gohan. The other thing too, is if this wasn't Canon, like if this was technically, or sorry, if this was Canon, it wasn't made up in this universe, then it seems weird because like Goku, what just like popped back to the afterlife and didn't think twice about boo and what was happening and just went to go fight in this tournament. Like we know that's not what happens because Goku ends up going to the afterworld and training with Gohan and the other uh, grand Kai's and Supreme Kai's. So it's kind of like, like something is definitely off there because we know that's not what took place. So it can't fit in any kind of that canon world, really. Yeah, it gets a little wonky. I will say before we get into the actual um, goings on of this movie that it is brought to you by Jelly Beans. Jelly Beans all over the place. Jelly Belly is the official yeah. sponsor of Fusion Reborn. Um, it's also interesting to note that uh, just in by way of trivia before we start, the English dub of the film is the only Dragon Ball Z film to be rated by the MPAA. And it was given a PG. 
Yeah, PG, that's it. I mean, and that makes some sense. Um, I mean, maybe there's an argument to be made for, you know, TV 14-ish, um, but PG-13 maybe is a little less, I don't know, because they're not, they're not beating up on each other. There is some blood in there. Um, but yeah, little, it's, it was rated bits, PG yeah. for action, violence, thematic elements, and rude humor, um, <laughs> which we'll we'll get into at some point for sure. We also have a couple of new cast members. We're not going to cover like everybody that shows up for the first time in these movies, like all of the Kai's outside of, um, you know, our Kai, the North Kai. But uh, most notably, you've got PyCon, who uh, featured in Dragon Ball Z during the first Otherworld tournament. The second one takes place. Or... Is PyCon considered canon? Yeah, yeah. He, well, mm, that's a good question. Because all of those are fillers, Yeah, right? he's in Z for sure. Like, he's in that show. I do not think he's in the manga. I could be wrong, but yeah. I don't think that that's true. Because the Otherworld tournament stuff, I'm pretty sure, is all filler. Yeah. Oh, but it was good. It's good. It's yeah, like, good. Like, I really like PyCon. I think he's a cool character. So he is voiced by Kyle Hebert, um, who also plays Gohan. Uh, and then we have, of course, the the main big, big bad of this movie, who is Janemba. And he actually has two voice actors in his first form when he's the big baby looking thing he's voiced by a guy named jim foranda uh, who plays min min in bio broly um also plays perfect cell uh in mighty mask in kai and muscular in my hero academia so uh, we have a little bit of experience with him in our other podcast and then when he's in his final form he is voiced by kent williams um who we've talked about before voices several kais dr jero and mr compress it's I feel like it's a little bit of a stretch to say that either one of them is the voice actor for Janimba. Like, like, I guess Jim Ferunda does a lot more work because Janimba is basically just a giant Pokemon when he's in the baby form. He just says his name. Yeah. Um, But like Kent Williams, all he does is laugh. Like there's not much more like there. There is not a spoken line from Janimba that is not his name or some sort of guttural grunt or laugh. That's it. Well, Janimba himself is kind of a strange villain in the sense that like he kind of goes away. So like, I, I don't know. It is Janimba more like an idea. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Oh, Oh, I forgot to mention too, that the Feronda guy that plays uh, baby Janimba is also the voice of the teen Oni that gets turned into Janimba or possessed oh, by Janimba okay. or, yeah, yeah. You know, Janimba coalesces around him. The The mechanics Janimba-fied. of Janimba are kind of bonkers. Yeah, they really are. They're very strange, and they don't really make a lot of sense, I don't think. Nah. Uh, but we'll, we'll talk about that more here yeah, in just a couple but, minutes, I'm sure. But we do open up on the second Otherworld tournament, or at least the second one that, if you're following the show, you're made privy to. Uh, the announcer calls Goku a former champion, which is just f- false. Like, <laughs> Yeah, like totally false, unless there's one that we're not aware of. Because if I remember correctly, they both basically get uh, KO or not KO'd, but like ring disqualified. Out, yeah. Yep. So I'm not sure why uh, he thinks Goku's the winner. Maybe he just gave favor to Goku. Maybe. Um, but uh, the the competition between the Kai's North, South, East, and West remains pretty strong. They're all betting about, of course, their guy's going to win. So uh, King Kai continues to be ribbed for being dead, though. He does uh, persist <laughs> yeah. with his halo, which is great. Um, Goku beats this dude named Fraug, um, which is from one of the other galaxies. Pycon beats the fish guy that Goku had to fight that turned the arena into water in the Dragon Ball Z show. Uh, and then so it's going to be them squaring off in the finals. And that's when we cut to the title in the new intro. That's a big old tease uh, that features Gohan 10 times more than it does Goku. 
That's like such a cool intro too. Like I really like that intro, the way that it's cut. It just feels right. Uh, and so for them to kind of tease Gohan the way they do and then not get him as a main character, definitely a bummer. Yeah, it's cool because I think the thing that I liked most about it was it felt like the title had aged, if yeah. that makes some sense. Yeah, or almost like it aged with us, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I liked that quite a, quite a lot. And uh, when we resume the narrative, uh, we are introduced, I think for the first time in a movie, King to King Yemma. Um, and he is kind of the, the Oni that corrals spirits. Uh, when, the, when, when you die, you go to him. He's kind of like this weird equivalent to like St. Peter at the Pearly Gates. Like some yeah, of you go he's... up and some of you go down kind of a judge and it's funny the way he does it because he's just got a stack of papers and a stamp and it's like above below above below and he's just stamping through them <laughs> you know what's really interesting and i think i've mentioned this before on another episode possibly of kyo cinema maybe on amp um i wrote an article for nerds on earth a long time ago that i will put in the description um, for you to read you know, on your own or not, you can ignore it entirely. But I made an argument that the Z fighters who died and had this specific depicted experience of the afterlife are morally obligated to become evangelists when they're revived. Because oh, I have read this article. Yo, you I have? Remember... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't think I had read it, but now that you say that, that totally rings a bell. I've definitely read this article. <laughs> yeah, so if you're unfamiliar with the visuals going on, um, this is true of the show itself and also in this movie, but the the way that the afterlife is depicted, including King Yemma, including his little Oni uh, servants with megaphones and even the dude rocking headphones and jamming out next to the soul cleanser, um, Gazan Mez in their giant iron clubs, the Lake of Blood, which also features in this, the Forest of uh, Needles, which also is in here, the spiky trees. All of this stuff is derived almost exclusively from some form of Buddhism, um, uh -huh. be it like uh, Chinese or or even Japanese Buddhist mythology. And it's it's so specific. Like I I go through these visuals in this post and say, this is Buddhism, which means that if you die and you experience this and you're resurrected, my argument is for you to not tell everybody that that is the reality of the afterlife, um, that, that you are morally reprehensible <laughs> because it definitively proves that the Buddhist religion has the afterlife thing right. Um, and so it's a, it's just a, a, a silly little think piece that, uh, popped back into my mind uh when when i was watching this movie to be fair though that i feel like if they did that then they would have to explain that they've died and come back to life and that either also leads to... a buddhist concept though totally but then you also have to explain the dragon balls which kind of opens that up to the world right i suppose i mean my the 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 funny place that i end this particular article is that it ultimately kind of doesn't matter because in the show at least piccolo tells boo to just kill everybody on earth so then they all have that afterlife experience oh, yeah that's right <laughs> <laughs> so it's just like they all get resurrected later and they're like dang the buddhists had it right this whole time um so i guess maybe oh, the man. whole world is converted to buddhism shortly after the boo saga that's even worse. You have to start considering, like, is it awful of the Z fighters to continuously wish that Earth's memory be collectively wiped? 
of things like this. Oh yeah. Right. I mean, <laughs> they forget that Buddhism had it right. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny and awful. Oh, that's uh, great. That's so funny. I will, I will link uh, a, uh, I'll put a link to the, this post in the description. It's called hot take. The Z fighters should have been evangelists and it's on nerdsonearth.com from 2018, a few years ago now. It's really interesting too, in general, because like these souls that are coming up to King Yema to be judged end up like if they go below or if they're sent to hell, they have to go through what appears to be some sort of a soul cleanser, almost like it washes that soul clean of its sin. So it kind of at that point, I'm wondering like, if that exists, why are they sending the souls to hell? Like, wouldn't they already be cleansed somehow? Uh, but what's even like crazier to me is the idea that like this soul cleanser just collects whatever it is that it's collecting evilness, I guess. And it's like for millennia, they've never gotten rid of it. Like they just let it pile up in the, the basement and it's no big deal, which I guess to be fair, there are plenty of TV shows and movies out there about this exact thing where companies have like, you know, barrels of radiation, like hidden in a cave somewhere or something. So it's not too far fetched, but it was just kind of one of those funny things where I'm like, do they not have anywhere to dump their evil? Yeah. Tanks? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, there's a lot of irresponsibility on show around this soul cleanser because it's it's a device that extracts this pure evil essence and they basically jar it up, put a cap on it, and then toss it unceremoniously around this machine. Yeah. And they've been doing this for thousands of years. Then they put a teenager in charge of this thing, which the movie's narrative goes on to show that a single meltdown, a single mistake of this thing could destroy literally everything in creation and they put a teenager in charge <laughs> or the equivalent of a teenager. He might be, I don't know, super, super old. I don't know how Oni age works, but yeah, it's just wild, reckless behavior in, in as, as far as like management of this very specific and dangerous machine goes. Yeah. And, and like basically this kid, I mean, I think he's at least portrayed as a kid, like messing around on the job, listening to his music. He gets in trouble for it. The manager that's there, like Yima, hears the music. And so he's like, hey, do go tell them to turn that down. His manager's getting on to him. And he's like, look, you can do music. That's fine. Just keep it down. And in the midst of this happening, we see this like single point of failure basically go off. And the tanks explode. The cleanser expo explodes. The manager is watching this happen. And he's probably only thinking about the reports he has to file to OSHA. So much Oni. paperwork. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of paperwork uh, and even more because then all of a sudden like the evil i don't know whatever you want to call it goo like coalesces around this uh this oni as you're, you're referring to and and he just turns evil uh he turns into this like massive big golden baby thing uh that we know as janimba yeah he's like pale yellow maybe s definitely several dozen feet tall as he towers uh, over Goku and PyCon, and he just has four gaping nipples on the front of his body and lidless eyes and a purple diaper and sleeves, uh, like like compression sleeves looking things that are also the same color as this little diaper thing. Um, yeah. And it, 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 he encases the check-in station and Yemma and everybody else in there in this weird jelly bean like barrier. He, everything around him, he just starts randomly encasing in jelly beans. Again, this movie brought to you by jelly belly. Um, and then Yemma goes on to explain maybe a little bit later, maybe right here that, uh, it basically messes with whatever kind of barrier exists between the living and the dead. So, the dead are able to transverse that barrier in a way that they couldn't before. And so we're treated to uh, kind of some silly scenes. Like there's definitely some strange B plot stuff that's born out of this. Um, 
in this movie. So there's like a ghost dad returns to see his family and a long dead lover returns. And then Dracula is walking around complaining about a clearly metal wooden stake. Um, There's like an army that's riding horses through that might have been like Genghis uh, Khan or something. Yeah, Genghis Khan. Then there's Nazis, including Hitler and like tanks and that that stuff that that depiction stuff is super controversial so like in the german french and hebrew versions all that stuff is completely removed for very obvious reasons which means that they had to have totally taken out goten and trunks's bits in the movie which almost defeats the fusion reborn name because i feel like the only reason goten and trunks is around is to also fuse if that makes sense so they can say like hey we had a movie full of fusion you know it's strange too because it's not just that these dead people they are they i don't know if they come back to life or if they're just dead but in this new realm or back in the old realm uh, as the case may be but they also come back with tanks and with right. horses and with yeah, guns like, <laughs> i assumed that that they came back with whatever they died with so like the uh instance of like the young uh star-crossed lovers the the man is old because he's still alive but he's seeing the ghost of his beautiful wife that passed away like 60 years ago she's still in like a dress of some kind and the same thing with the old man that came back uh, and he's like sitting on top of his grave there i think he had like a cane so i assume that maybe somehow they're i don't know they're objects that they would be tied back to came back with them it was really weird i also thought it was kind of strange too that like yima even makes the mention of there's living among the dead and dead among the living but we don't really see any of those living among the dead like it's not like we see people on earth in the afterlife anywhere so i thought that was kind of strange yeah and i would say too that uh when the star-crossed levels lovers are reunited that he has a cross so he has no idea how wrong he is yeah, yeah, no joke. <laughs> it's like he drops a crucifix that has Jesus hanging on it and everything. And I'm like, man, you're going to be disappointed here yeah. for too long. The other thing I thought that they did kind of poorly with this, in my opinion, was that they bring back all these villains. Like there's a really cool scene later with a whole bunch of villains, but they didn't bring back any of the dead heroes that I feel like could potentially have been around. Yeah. Uh, so like, I'm why did get into King, that? Why didn't King Kai get kicked out? Right. Like maybe he should have shown back up on Earth. He's dead. Or maybe I didn't think of it as a kicked out thing so much as a volitional traversal. And like the bad guys would obviously take advantage of that because they're in hell. They don't want to be there anymore. But if you're in the good place, then they would be like, I'm not going back to Earth. This place is way better. (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. (laughs) That's how I thought about it. But I I will say um, when we get to the discussion about how this movie would have been different if it were an arc in the series that I have some things to say about uh dead dead people that were good not coming back to earth okay Um, cool so we'll we'll leave that for then the other thing too that i wanted to to mention that i thought was kind of strange is that yemma immediately has no grace for the the poor kid that like got turned into janimba because i think someone is like hey he's one of our own like he's one of our employees shouldn't we try to help him and yemma's like no he's evil only a monster would do this I'm like, I don't think he has any clue what he's doing, King Yima. Like, he just got turned into evil, literally. (laughs) Well, I think that Yema just isn't familiar with the mechanics of what's going on. And we aren't really even until the very end. Um, That it's not that this guy has actually physically transformed, but that there is a distinction between the evil entity that is like shrouded around him. That is Janimba and the, the Oni teenage boy is still in there intact somehow. Right. Like the, the mecha- like I said, the mechanics of it are strange, but I see Yemma's thing where like what he sees, if, if he doesn't understand those mechanics or know about them ahead of time, I could see him being like, Oh no, 
Like, he is going off of what we saw explode around him, which is undiluted, purified, and distilled and concentrated evil, then he's got to go. In the form of jelly beans. Right. <laughs> well, we end up catching up with Gohan and family. They're all eating dinner. Chi-Chi is very upset about all the dishes she's going to have to do. Videl is offering to help, and this is kind of a strange scene, because at first Chi-Chi's like, no, no, you're a guest, you can't help. But then the next scene, we're immediately treated to Videl doing the dishes. Of course, uh, Chi-Chi's grilling her about when her and Gohan are going to get married, and this leads to her breaking some dishes, being very embarrassed. But in the midst of this situation, she gets a ring from somebody within the city that's like, hey, things are crazy here. You've got to come help. So her and Gohan fly off, and uh, we are immediately treated right back into the action between PyCon and Goku. Yeah, uh... I will I, I I'll admit now that I didn't get the opportunity to watch the Japanese, but I read a lot online about how the difference in the Japanese script, uh, especially the dialogue, is so radically different uh, than what Funimation did with the English. Um, because, like, for instance, in this particular scene is one that I remember being mentioned that in this scene in the English, Videl is given unspecified danger Right, yeah, they're just kind of like, things crazy, you gotta come down here and check it out. Yeah, and then she looks at Gohan and is like, can you come? And he just nods and says, yeah, but like, apparently in the Japanese it was a lot more specific about like, there are zombies and the dead are walking again, or it was something much more, had a lot more clarity to it. That makes more sense of her looking at Gohan like, I might need your help on this. Um, There's also like an Aryan race joke later on from the Hitler character that is exclusive to the English language that doesn't appear in the Japanese. There's a lot of, I just saw that this one, maybe more than any of the other Dragon Ball Z movies, uh, fiddled with the Japanese dialogue and, and kind of transformed it in the process. And th- this That's is one of those scenes that I remember being called out, uh, specifically. Yeah. I admittedly did not get to watch the, uh, Japanese dialogue version either. So we were both missing out on that one this time around. Well, the other world tournament gets interrupted by some jelly beans. Um, Grand Kai sends PyCon and Goku to go check in on the check-in station uh, with the promise to resume the fight after they investigate. But, spoiler alert, uh, that is not delivered to us in this movie. Remember at the end of, um, was it the last movie that we covered where Goku and uh, PyCon had to go fight Cell or something like that, and it was teased at the end? And then in this movie... It's like, oh, we, we get to see Pi- Goku and PyCon fight things together, and then that isn't delivered again? Like, I was so frustrated by that. Yeah, I think it was uh, at the end of Bio Broly that they kind of make mention that uh, Broly's causing issues in the afterlife, but yeah, I don't remember him, the, the two of them having to fight to go see Cell or anything. Uh, yeah, it's just like, that. It I is remember frustrating, though. that little line at the end of the movie and being like, that's what we should have gotten instead of Bio Broly. Yeah, and then right. we, ha- we 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 finally like the movie's like, oh, we're gonna give you this thing, and then we don't get it at all. Yeah, because Picon's a really cool character. Like, I don't think that he's given enough. Uh, what's the word I want to use? Credit. Credit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he he's, is the, he's just cool. He's the Krillin of this movie. He, really he gets is. chumpified in this Krillin's movie, and it drives me nuts. Movie. Drives me absolutely bonkers. So him and him and uh, Goku and Picon try to blast open the jelly bean barrier around the check-in station with just like basic key blasts. They try it twice uh, to <laughs> no effect. Well, I'm like, dude, you both have like super awesome, powerful moves and you're just shooting like BBs at it, basically. I know. I had that same thought. I was like, why? You didn't even do like a Kamehameha or anything. You just did a basic key blast. Like, I, I don't know. I figured they would have at least tried a powerful move together of some kind because I think they even each do it individually. A little wild. Um, 
Yeah. And it's funny, too, because they are alerted to the idea that Janimba is there. And so PyCon, like, tries to interrogate him, but Janimba's literally just basically a massive baby. And so, like, as PyCon starts to kind of, like, get angry and upset, Janimba just flicks him away. And, and even PyCon's like, he's way stronger than we thought. Uh, Goku is pretty convinced at this point that Janimba could literally destroy the whole universe. It's like one of the first things he says about Janimba. So from the get-go, he's very aware of how powerful Janimba actually is, even in this weird like baby form. Yeah, but also at the same time, who at this point in Dragon Ball Z continuity couldn't destroy the whole universe? Yeah, you're right. Like we're several... We're several bad guys past Broly, who, like, is introduced by, oh, he's the one that destroyed all of that other universe next door, you know? Yeah, that, like that whole galaxy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just silly. Like, I'm like, yeah, Goku's like, he could destroy the whole universe. I was like, yeah, so could s- several of you. Like, you could probably do it if you tried real good. Yeah, uh, anyway, it is funny. He, he does try to lure Janimba, Goku does, um, down into hell and leaves PyCon to take down the barrier. And uh, when Goku and Janimba get down... Uh, through the like layer of jelly beans down to hell, presumably Janimba turns some poor frozen souls into tiny clones of themselves and six them on Goku, which all dogpile on them, but he flexes them off and they just sort of like disappear. So whoever those souls were are now no longer souls. But I th- I think that that holds, I think at some point in Dragon Ball Z, they basically were like, well, yeah, if you die when you're dead, then you're gone. Yeah, like your soul is destroyed. Yeah, so maybe that's what that particular depiction was. But they're still poor saps anyway. Yeah, (laughs) poor poor individual souls. So Gohan is taking out all of these zombies in the city. Like, he's just blasting them away. It's pretty awesome. Videl's trying to keep up. She's, like, taking them one-on-one, and Gohan just takes over for her and is like, here, let me help, and just absolutely wrecks a bunch of them. They both kind of get a kick out of this and talk about how it's a lot better than doing the dishes. I'm willing to bet that dialogue is a lot different in the Japanese version. (laughs) Uh, But this scene's really cool because Frieza approaches out of nowhere, and he's, like, giving a villainous dialogue, talking about how he's going to take over. Everyone's going to be kissing his feet, you know, it's a typical Frieza dialogue, and Gohan is just like, ah, you don't remember me, do you? And he, he goes into this whole thing where he talks about being the son of Goku, and he does like his little intro dance moves. It's very, very reminiscent of uh, the Frieza Force, especially yeah, Ginyu Force. the Ginyu Force. And it killed me because the Ginyu Force is there. Like As Frieza is talking about this, and right before Gohan and Frieza get into it, there are a bunch of villains that are displayed, including like Bojack and some of the other villains that Gohan's taken out himself. So I just wish that we had had like a couple of seconds where the Ginyu Force admired his like dancing intro scene because that totally seems like something they'd be stoked about. That would have been great. And and you're right, there are villains from like almost every movie preceding this one in this shot somewhere or in the shots to come. So you get members of Turles's Crusher Corps, you get members of Cooler Squad. You even see like Dr. Cochin's Bio Warriors um, yeah. from World's Strongest. You see some of Slugs and Garlic Jr.'s cronies in there. Paragus is standing there. Bojack is there with his crew. Most of which, if not all of them, oh, almost all of them, you know, like, you know, Slug and Garlic Jr. maybe not, but most of them are stronger than Frieza. So why in the world is he running point and they are just 
you know, when Frieza says jump, they say how high. Like that, I, that I part doesn't make any thought. sense. Yeah, because my I was immediately like Bojack would probably tell Frieza a lot of explicatives. Like there's no way that he would work <laughs> yeah. for Frieza. So I, I I was confused by that. The only thing I can think is that Frieza is kind of a villainous icon in the DBZ universe. So they wanted to make Frieza, you know, the the standing point there because they weren't going to use Broly again. I don't think Broly's a leader. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a, the, that very valid meta reason. But like in universe, that that makes, makes no, no sense. sense. Yeah, I totally agree. Other than the only thing I can think of outside of that is that Frieza does have a very commanding name in the sense that across the universe, it sounds like everybody has heard of Frieza. And to some extent, or at least at one point in time, they did fear Frieza. So I could kind of see that whole like, I'm back and better than ever, baby. You know, like maybe it was just that uh, amount of uh, Bravo that kind of got everyone under his wing. But it doesn't matter either way, because Gohan literally one punches Frieza and it's freaking awesome. And in base form, doesn't even do the cliched I'm going to go Super Saiyan and freak you out because that's what you're afraid of. He just one punches him in base form. Yeah, like well, depending on uh, the universe, he may not need to go Super Saiyan anymore. Remember, he didn't go Super Saiyan, I don't think, to fight Boo. Like, he was unlocked right. entirely. So if yeah. that was the storyline that happened, Gohan doesn't need to go Super Saiyan anymore. That's true. And then all the other villains just bail after that. But I'm like, in my notes, I'm like, but where do they go? And what, yeah. <laughs> do, they, do they go back to hell or are they like, nah, this ain't worth that? Or do they go and terrorize somewhere else where there isn't a guy who can one punch Frieza? Because I feel like that's what I would do. I'm also shocked that any of them showed back up on Earth. Like, I would have just assumed most of them would be like, yeah, screw that. Like, those guys on Earth can actually kill me. I'll just go terrorize another part of the galaxy. Maybe they, well, I was going to say, mean, maybe they know Goku's dead, but Frieza doesn't seem to know that. No, I don't. I, I mean, I just don't think that that makes too much sense i also don't know why earth seems to be the beaconing point like if you think about the fact that frieza yeah. died on well i guess frieza died on namek and then died on earth again but like the ginyu force all died on namek so wouldn't they have spawned there like i guess that's is not explained the method in which these souls get to earth or why right. it's earth so yeah well and i could be wrong maybe frieza does know i mean all he all frieza does say is i'd love to kill goku but killing his son is the next best thing and maybe when he says that He's not admitting he doesn't know that Goku is dead, but that he does know he's dead and therefore he can't kill him where he is currently. Um, or, you know, anyway, anyway, it doesn't matter. Videl stupidly encourages Gohan's posing, which shame on you, Videl. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then we get a cool scene of Hercule on the scene of an off screen ass whooping like he just beats up a bunch of the zombies um, off screen, which feels like he got robbed there um and he goes after some undead uh around some where some cameras are he's like i don't need to be kicking all this butt where there aren't cameras and so he's like <laughs> luring him out to where other people would be yeah um and i it's love pretty that funny i thought that was awesome because i just have on my notes i'm pretty sure he walks away from our camera though for the rest of the movie and he does like this is it that's all the hercule we get in this entire movie he's like i'm gonna go fight in front of the cameras and then we never see him again <laughs> i thought that was so fun i, I like that he made a, a short cameo here i mean and it's kind of cool to get to see him actually in action because for the most part all we ever see is satan dodging action yeah you know somebody in the discord just today posted like a fake it till you make it anonymous meeting and hercule was there and i was like i i get what this is trying to say but hercule legit won at least one world tournament and like after that he was a big faker when it came to like cell and some of the other stuff but like he in the absence of Z Warriors, Hercule won a tournament. Like supposedly, he, he could, yeah, he could whoop some butt. Yeah, uh, so I like seeing him there. I was bummed that we didn't get anyone else, though. I mean, this would have been an awesome scenario where we could have seen a bunch of other heroes show up. That who would show up? Like you're telling me, Krillin wouldn't show up to this. Y Yamcha wouldn't show up. Tien wouldn't be there to fight these things off. Like no, maybe not Yamcha. 
Well, he would show up. He would just die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he always shows up. So I don't know. I was just kind of bummed that like, okay, you're going to bring back all these villains, but you're not going to make any of the other Z fighters relevant. Now with Gohan being there, maybe they didn't need them. It just felt like they could have done that and it would have been really cool. Yeah, I agree. Well, Goten and Trunks are there. Um, well, they're around. Uh, the first time that we see them, they're finding the last Dragon Ball. Um, there's a silly gag where Goten gets bonked on the head by a golf ball and he gets mad. So he puts it in a hole um, and fools some old man into thinking he got a uh, hole in one. That was but, so funny. <laughs> but my question here is, how did the Dragon Ball get in that hole in the first place? Like, how long has it just been chilling there? Because it blasts, like, you make a wish, they all blast off. Is this like opening day for this golf course and somehow like nobody's hit a golf ball into this hole ever? That the Dragon Ball's just chilling there? Like that's where it was hidden? Maybe a squirrel hit it there thinking it was like a massive acorn (laughs) or something. It's like, dude, that makes no sense. It's a high traffic area. (laughs) Anyway, um, Bulma, Gohan, Videl, and the kids summon Shenron. And this is maybe the best summoning animation of all time. Oh, it's so cool. In all things Dragon Ball. Yeah, but... I kind of hate the way that they handle this to some extent because, like, I I feel like you're right. It's one of the coolest intros of Shinron in the entire series. And they have this big ordeal where, like, I think even Goten at one point in time kind of questions the dragon and Trunks, like, grabs his mouth. And it's weird because the dragon's kind of really humble about it. And so, like, to to fully explain, they ask Shinron to basically fix the issues between the afterworld and the current, you know, earth world and all these things that are happening. And he's like, oh, I can't. That's out of the scope of my power. Like, I just cannot fix this. It's not something I can do. And, And instead of being like, all right, bye. Like, you guys don't have any other wishes, so I'm going to nope out of here. Like, he would have in the early DBZ stuff. He was very like, well, don't you guys have anything else? Like, almost as if he was, like... He's just lonely. He's a lonely dragon. There. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's because Goku's not there anymore. I feel like they always kind of made it seem like Goku and Shenron had some kind of a bond or something. <laughs> well, he... I mean, he basically is just hanging out until the very end of the movie. He's still hanging out at the end of the yeah. movie. Yeah. But this seems weird because I feel like early Shenron, like he was like, you got a wish. If you don't, I'm leaving. Like you get 30 seconds, get your wish out or I'm gone. And now he's almost like a slave to these individuals where he's like waiting on them and almost like more genie like, if that makes sense. Right. It it didn't feel I, I never felt like he felt like a genie until today or until this movie. I, I agree. It, he's he's played up as a little bit more of a joke um, here. Uh, I mean, he he explains what why the Dragon Balls aren't going to be a quick fix in this particular movie, which is fine. Uh, but then he turns into a bit of a, a, a just a running gag for the rest of the movie. Yeah. I did really appreciate the fact that they weren't just immediately like, oh, let's summon Goku back to fix the problem. Instead, they were actually trying to just fix the problem. Uh, so that was kind of nice. I mean, Goku ultimately fixes it in the end, so they didn't have to. And that's for plot purposes, I suppose. But I feel like typically they would have used the, the Dragon Balls to wish someone back to life to fix the problem. So I don't know. It was well, just kind of I nice... wonder, too, like... They, I wonder if they almost led your mind to that place because Balma says something weird to Gohan like, oh, yeah, you know, you're the only one who needs to call summon Shinron this time and ask. And I'm like, why? Because he's going to ask for his dad. Why couldn't you guys do that? But yeah, that's true. Uh, they they swerve away from that. But we do catch back up with PyCon, who's throwing still basic key blasts at this barrier and getting frustrated when the same nothing continues to happen over and over again. But he finally screams an insult at the barrier and breaks it a bit. And this is a gag that I think they reused in Super with a character named Magetta, who's like almost unstoppable um, in like the pre-World Tournament of Power tournament. But they figure out that like if they call him names that he just 
becomes super weak. He's the big mechanical man with like a furnace for his chest, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's kind of, I, I, I had forgotten that that was a gag inside of this movie and I was like, Oh, it's Magetta's thing. So they, they did kind of borrow that. Um, but again, like in this movie, they do Pike on dirty. He he's, he's the new Krillin. He gets left with the chump work. And then when he does show up to the fight, it's, it's terrible. Um, yeah, anyway, Janimba sends some jelly beans at Goku and then gets, uh, Goku gets steamrolled and then kicked and swatted and void punched a bunch, which is super cool. Um, the like Janima goes and punches and it creates a like a warp area where his arm goes into and then his fist exits another one, um, bringing him into contact with Goku from all sorts of angles and at different distances. I really liked that particular visual and move. It's just something new and different uh, that isn't just a punch, a kick or a beam. Yeah, they also introduce a lot of really cool warping, too, here, where, like, Goku basically fires on himself. So, like, he powers up to do a Kamehameha, and then Janimba, like, it doesn't, it's not like he uses a portal to send that back into him. It's like he summons a copy of Goku in his hands. It was really cool. Yeah, but but that goes entirely unexplained, and nothing remotely close to that is used again for the rest of the movie. It was the strangest thing. I mean, at least the portal stuff later kind of makes sense, but here it's literally like he like cloned Goku out of nothing somehow, and it was really interesting. I I don't know, it threw me off, but I thought it was neat. Even Goku was like, "Did I just shoot myself? How did that happen?" (laughs) And it's funny because this is the moment too where Goku's like, "All right, I have to end this fight early before he does some serious damage." Which no one has ever heard Goku ever say. He always like holds that last power up card until the very end, it feels like. But in this case, like he's not pulling the punches. He fires up Super Saiyan 3. It's awesome. But as he's starting to kind of like go Super Saiyan here, uh, basically Janimba fires off like a Gatling gun of Key Blast. He's like spinning himself in circles and Key Blast are just going everywhere. It's it's pretty nuts. So much so that they like illuminate PyCon up above trying to break the barrier. I called this the nipple nuke. The nipple nuke. That's he's awesome. Just, he's just spinning around shooting beams out of his four nipples. Yeah. Um, and then it does like eventually he fires them down and it makes a big mushroom cloud. Um, we, we cut back up to PyCon. He's made a little bit of a dent. But he's sad that he's not getting involved in the fight. But then Goku starts hollering, and he does for like it's like fifty, 50 seconds. seconds. It's apparently the longest Sean Shamil ever screamed as Goku uh, is it's in this movie. Nuts, yeah. So like, spoiler alert: this is the vast majority of holler minutes in this yeah. movie. I, I had mean, I had in my notes like these are the scenes we talk about or what we mean when we talk about screaming in Dragon Ball Z is this kind of thing. Yeah, you like if you watch this particular power up on YouTube, you will think that somebody has like looped a significant portion of it over and over and over and then finally gets around to the transformation nah dog like it it is exactly as presented it's just one continuous scream for almost a full minute before he finally pops super saiyan 3 it's impressive honestly i wonder if if uh shimmel did that full shot like if he literally screamed for that longer if they actually copy and pasted like his audio track yeah, I, yeah, man, I would have, that would have been curious to know too. Yeah, that was crazy because I've heard that like I think when he goes, this is insane trivia, but apparently when he turned Super Saiyan four, he passed out. Yeah, in the, in the booth yeah. like screaming so hard, which is I did know that. Nuts. Uh, but this is a cool scene too, because like, this is where Goku mentions the only time he's been pressed this far is with Majin Buu. So it solidifies that like canonical Majin Buu did happen. Uh, so, you know, the fact that, uh, he had to go super Saiyan three, it's pretty showing off pretty how powerful, uh, Janimba is and Goku like immediately goes on the assault. It's so cool. I I love when he turns super Saiyan three because he gets so aggressive. It's like this Goku. I don't think we normally see. I mean, he doesn't pull his punches. He's getting in some awesome hits in this opening fight scene here. And, 
it's crazy because like Janemba forces all of his candies to the ground, and it's, so it's supposed to like basically cover Goku up. Uh, but Goku just punches right out of it, like punches Janemba out of the candies. It's totally crazy. And then he has another super punch, sending him back down into the earth, followed up by like these double key blast to the face punch. Like it's just such a cool little fight scene here. He's so so on top of it. Uh, Janimba seems to be like very seriously injured at this point. And, uh, Goku is just like, wow, that was weird. <laughs> like, I think literally he just says that was weird. It's awesome. Yeah. He, he kind of condenses Janimba. Like yeah. he, he punches him and then Janimba starts like boiling. coalescing on himself. It's really yeah. weird. Yeah. And he and kind so- of folds in on himself. Um, and he becomes this, this final form, second form, whatever. I called um, it Super he, J, Super Janimba. Super Janimba. Yeah. He's much more demonic looking. It's a fantastic design, like top oh, shelf. Oh gosh, yeah. Some of the best in Dragon Ball Z, in my opinion. He's got a purple, pink, and white color scheme. Definitely, if you have no visual reference for Janimba, look it up because it's super good. Yeah, very devilish. Very, very devilish. Then we get back to the B plot of the Nazis trying to take over the world and Goten and Trunks intervening. Um, these the the B plot stuff has some different animation. It's like thicker lines, it very is much lines. cartoony. Like they're dodging bullets, but it's like the bullets are multicolored and the kids are playing with tanks like they're toys. And they finally get this concept like Hitler's running his mouth or the Hitler equivalent um, is running his mouth. And Trunks is like, we should scare him and go Super Saiyan. And so they do. And then this is where Hitler makes the Aryan race joke, something along the lines of, oh, they've got blonde hair and blue eyes and super strong, so I should be recruiting them, not fighting them. Yeah. Yeah. As soon as they went Super Saiyan, I was like, oh boy, here it comes. I can't tell, like, if this is in that cringy level. Like, it doesn't feel like it aged well, if that makes sense. Yeah. And they've edited it a lot, too. Apparently, even in the Funimation version, they removed a lot of the, like, Nazi symbology. So it's not even in its original form with what we have. And like you mentioned, it has been completely stripped from some versions. So... Yeah, not necessarily a B plot that aged well for Dragon Ball Z. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Um, back to Goku and uh, Janimba. Goku seems to be going fine, like holding his own until Janimba starts using all these crazy sort of like warp abilities. So he oh, like so cool. Goku shoots a, a beam at Janimba's face and he creates a portal for it and sends it back to Goku. And then there's almost like this digital pixelated teleport thing that he does, which is super awesome. It and he is. just puts a beam right into Goku's chest. And then he does a mouth beam, which I always love. In fact, Goku did his first ever mouth beam in the, uh, in the manga recently. I shared I that in the discord. I haven't read that manga chapter yet, but it looks so cool. Like I, I, I didn't even think about the fact that I've never seen Goku do that, but just the one panel I saw, I was like, that is so dope. Yeah, it's it's awesome. Um, then Janimba finds either what looks like Gaz or Mez's clubs. Yeah, like spiked club of some kind. Yeah, and he turns it into a cool sword, and he just starts slicing reality all up, and he, he like, Goku gets behind one of the jelly beans, Janimba slices it, and it bisects the jelly bean, but only cuts Goku a little bit on the shoulder, which like physically didn't make any sense. Um, he loses a little bit of hair too, but he has plenty to spare because Super Saiyan 3 is ridiculous when it comes to hair. It makes me wonder, I have in my notes here, if he gets his hair cut when he's Super Saiyan 3, when he goes back to a regular Saiyan, what happens? Is it just like a patch? Yeah, like, <laughs> does he just not have hair? Is he bald? Does he keep it? Does it grow back to where it would be? I, I don't that know. Is... It's just weird, weird Saiyan thoughts. It's <laughs> a good question. I mean, he doesn't lose like... I, like a tuft is that what you would call like one of the big groups yeah of his i would hair? think so like a, a spike of hair a tuft of yeah hair? spike yeah. um but it's just like he loses less than 18 did when 
she got pissed at Trunks when he sliced a little bit of hers off. But um, he falls into the pond of blood, which is more that uh, Buddhism symbol uh, symbolism. Um, and he's like gurgling. So it's like in his mouth. <laughs> like, I don't know about you, dude, but if I fall into a foreign substance, I'm not opening my mouth first thing. But that's what Goku does. He's just straight got it in his mouth and every other orifice that blood would seep its way into if you fall into it, I guess. Uh, Janema slices it up until Goku is left in this like ruby-like capsule of it's the blood lake. Pretty cool, really. Like the way that he kind of just traps him in this little like it is kind of like a little ruby or like a diamond of some kind. It's a oh god, it's a blood ruby. Yeah, it's a blood ruby. Oh, how man, have I never funny. had that thought until just now? Yeah, yeah, that's Goes, funny. Oh, man, taking What's us way weird back. too is like it, it. It doesn't really show it solidifying, but it feels like it's solid. Yeah, yeah. And then Janimba winds up for this death blow, but is blasted by an intervening Vegeta. Very unexpected. He saves Goku and he explains to Goku as he saves him. The only reason he saved him is so that he Vegeta can take out Goku's existence. Like no one else can kill you. Only me. Like, dude, Goku's dead. So are you. (laughs) (laughs) So Vegeta has no idea how he got his body back. Uh, So I guess you can assume that he was one of those little like ghosties. For some reason, Vegeta didn't retain his body like Goku did when he died for, I I assume it's because he's a villain there. Uh, But it's uh, it's pretty interesting. Goku pretty much off the bat is just like, hey, I don't think this Jonimba guy can be beat, which I think is really interesting. Uh, the fact that Goku was just like, hey, yeah, I don't think we can beat this guy. Uh, I Not something you normally hear him say, I don't think. Uh, but it's great because Vegeta's like, well, it's a good thing I've got nothing to lose then. Which, of course, in my notes, I was like, that means he's going to get his butt kicked. Yeah, yeah, of course. I'm going to go all out. And then, as well, in Vegeta's defense, when he goes on the attack, he actually does all right at the beginning. He reads the little digital teleportation thing pretty well almost immediately. Um, but gets demon armed into jelly beans and then into the needle mountain. Like he lasts all of five seconds before Janema just long and strong arms him down into uh, like a, this mountain made of giant needly balls. It's like a minesweeper um, game. Yeah, it does look. Yeah, it does kind of look like that. So then Goku falls him in there. And he's like, hey, if we work together, we still tend to stand a chance. And Vegeta's like, well, he picked us apart, though. And Goku says, yeah, he picked us apart separately, but we should fuse. <laughs> what a silly line. I love it. Like, it, when he said that, I was like, oh, God, Goku. <laughs> so, for funsies, I was aware of a couple of different types of fusions in the Dragon Ball world. But I was like, I'm surely there are some that maybe aren't called fusions that count. And maybe there are some in the extended universes of the video games and stuff that I was unaware of. So I went to the wiki and there are like 12 different kinds of fusions what? and I'm only familiar with half of them. Gosh, I feel like like I know about the Patera earrings and I know about the fusion dance. Outside of that, I, I don't know that I can recall any. I think you know of more than you're giving yourself credit for and I can prove it. So one of the types of fusions is Namekian fusion. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I forgot like the Namekians Piccolo can and like... nail and Kami yeah, and all that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Then you have the fusion dance, um, which Goku learned from the Metamorans, um, which is the dancing thing. Um, it's interesting, too, because I never noticed this, but it seems super obvious that when you do the fusion dance, the clothes that the characters end up wearing. So think about Gotenks and Gogeta. Spoiler alerts. Um, you know, they have the like uh, the vest with the croissants like yeah. on the shoulders and yep. stuff. Yep. Yep. That is apparently Metamoran clothing like when you do the fusion dance that's the clothing you get because it's from that species or planet i guess um that one has a time limit of 30 minutes um and then afterwards you're supposed to take an hour of rest but apparently like it it might not the hour rest might not 
be required if you have a failed fusion because maybe that explains. Remember when we were watching the uh, the OVA where like Go Tanks fa- had that bad fusion and then they immediately fixed it. They defuse immediately in that one though, so yeah. there's no. It seems like maybe the time limit is only if you choose not to defuse earlier, but that doesn't make sense because in this movie they would have chosen to just defuse immediately when they screwed it up too. So I don't know. Yeah. Not a lot of consistency there as far as I'm right. concerned in the the movies, but. But then you have the Patara, which is the earring one. That one has an hour time limit. Um, it's the merger of clothes, though. So, like, you yeah. get... I you want know, to talk a, about that. When did it yeah. become an hour time limit? Because I feel like the big thing in the Boo Saga was that Vegeta was like, I don't want to be stuck with you for the rest of my life. So that's true of Kais who use them. Um, is like, permanent. That's why you have Kabito Kai. Right. Um, but I think I thought, I thought that that was the case too, but the wiki didn't suggest that it's it like was an hour time it. limit. And in addition to the one hour time limit, that time can be decreased dependent on, on the amount level. of power that you expend. Yeah. Yeah. So like in Dragon Ball that. Super, when Goku and Vegeta become Vegito, um, and they do the final Kamehameha, it cuts their time out like short significantly because of the power expenditure. Um, so then you have absorption, which is like cell, um, sucking up the androids. See, I don't know um, that I consider that fusion, but I'll give it to you. Yeah. And then you have uh, a merger, which is what we would have seen in like Abo and Kado, uh, where they kind of, they, they, it's a, it's a merger. It's not a, I don't know what the distinction is necessarily. Like, I, I guess maybe they were talking about when they were in their normal states and split up and then come back together or possibly the thing where they came together and were the big dude. They didn't dance. That's the difference. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> then you have possession, which you see in GT with like baby, oh, okay. uh, baby Vegeta, things yeah, like that. Yeah. So those were the six that I was familiar with. And okay. I was like, oh, okay, I've seen that. But then there's, I'm just going to list these off because I have no idea what any of them are. God fusion. EX fusion or X fusion, freeform fusion, five way fusion, fusion of key, and machine mutant fusion. And I have no idea what any of those are. Huh. The five way fusion, could that be like the Super Saiyan God stuff? Because they need X amount of Saiyans to make a Super Saiyan God? No, I believe that the example given was something to do with the Ginyu Force and something or another. Oh, so, huh. Okay. That's yeah, crazy. Weird. Interesting. But getting back into uh, if, uh, fusion. Uh, lists aside, uh, we get back and Vegeta is still adamant that he doesn't want to join bodies with uh, Goku. Um, and he goes on this diatribe where he's like, well, if I die, then I'm in hell. If I retreat, then I'm in hell. So I guess fusion is the like middle, middle ground. He's literally caught between two hells is what I had in my, uh, uh, in my notes. There's a funny so, scene there too, where Vegeta's like, I would literally rather die than fuse with you. And Goku just goes, well, you're already dead. <laughs> yeah <laughs> that'd be rolling i was like oh my god that's great and then yeah and then goku's like well if you won't fuse then we need to at least run and vegeta's like i can't do that either so i guess yeah. fusion is the only thing but janimba catches up with them starts assaulting the mountains um and then they they do end up fusing uh fusing rather um vegeta uh, janimba i noticed this is a strange thing i have in my notes but he just has one toenail and that weirds me out it for does some weird me out too it's like yeah it's something about that was really strange it's very disturbing for some reason yeah and then the strangest thing happens. I'd be curious to hear what your takes take is on this. So Janimba is assaulting the mountain for the second time. Goku grabs Vegeta and does instant teleportation to get him out of there. But to whom? Like the thing about instant teleportation is you go to a power source 
And he didn't go right next to Janemba. He showed up next to nobody. Oh, see, I he just yeeted out of there. I didn't think that's how it worked. I thought he could instant teleport anywhere as long as he could envision it in his head. I thought it was always towards a, a power. I thought he I used power to anchor himself. Like So like if Vegeta was off planet or something, he could use that to anchor himself to the location. But I thought the, the main por- portion of the instant teleportation was that he had to have either been there or could envision it perfectly in his mind, basically. Mm. That can make some sense then. Um, Goku then explains the fusion dance in the weirdest way possible about something about two rivers joining, but not near as much as needs to be said about the actual body positioning. Yeah. And it's really <laughs> funny too, because Goku says something like, we have to make sure our posture's align." And Vegeta goes, my what? Like he's never heard of posture before. <laughs> he says, uh, Vegeta says, we're warriors, Kakarot, not ballerinas. <laughs> yeah. But Goku's explanation is actually pretty good. He's like, well, no one's going to see us. Yeah. yeah, I thought I thought that was pretty good. Yeah, no, definitely it is. Uh, we transfer back over to Yemma, who is talking to PyCon, and he's like, "You sure are taking your time, aren't you?" And of course, PyCon responds back with like, "Blah, like something about like you big fat wall or something crazy like that." Uh, we we see once again everything happening on planet Earth. Trunks and Goten are continuing to fight off the Nazis, which is a something I never thought I would say. Uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and it is actually kind of funny because I think uh, the Fuhrer is talking about how Goten and Trunks are inferior. And uh, Goten is like, but are we? Like, as they're wrecking all of the uh, the tanks and whatnot. So we we transfer back over. We see Goku and Vegeta. They do the fusion dance, but they do seem to do it just a little bit wrong. Like, when, they, when they're doing it, it's hard to tell. But right at the last second, they show the hands, and the hands don't quite touch. So you don't really get that full awareness. Uh, however, as they're transforming, Super Janimba is alerted to this. He sees, like, this big power energy source, basically. And whenever they introduce what we would hope to be Gogeta, it's actually a character that I believe they refer to as Veku, who is this kind of, like, rotund, fused version of Vegeta and Goku. And all the Kais uh, are playing a lot of funny, like, word names with this and kind of poking fun at King Kai about it. Uh, but, you know, for the most part, they're actually able to repel Janemba for quite a long time. I mean, there's a lot of goofy bits here where like Veku is basically like bouncing off mountains and stuff and he flips off Janemba, which was kind of kind of funny. But for the most part, he's able to avoid their attacks by like farting in his face and and doing some kind of funky things like that. Yeah, I just have in my notes that for the next three minutes, Veku just gets pounded, runs, and farts a lot. Yeah, it's kind of a weird uh, take on, like, drunken kung fu, too, because there are a lot of times where, like, him misstepping leads to an attack, and it kind of looks like a drunken kung fu style. It reminded me more of, like, Jar Jar Binks when he got that gun stuck on his foot, you know? (laughs) Yeah. That's that's what it seemed like. Very accidental, yeah. Yeah, there was also a scene where, like, he he ends up with the seat of his pants ripped off, and you can see his ass, but then, like, in the next scene, he his pants are fine, so he's got regenerating pants, which is a pretty nifty trick. That is a nifty trick. It's like they're stealing uh, powers from Piccolo or something. That's right. Clothing <laughs> beam. But they do defuse at a dramatically appropriate time where Janemba catches up with them and then goes to extend one of the needles, I guess, from uh, that he broke off from one of the needle balls from Needle Mountain. And right as it goes to pierce Veku's chest, Goku and Vegeta split apart. Um, 30 minutes later, presumably, and they whack Janemba in the face and then go and try to create some space to try this whole fusion thing over again. But it gets interrupted um, because as they go to do the dance, Janemba starts firing beams at him, but PyCon jumps in and tries to buy them time, but he just... So he tries... he, he, He doesn't make a bad association here. He's like, you must be tied to the jelly bean things. So he tries to insult Janemba, um, which kind of works. Yeah, Janemba like starts to crack as he attacks, but 
like as the two dudes are fusing in the background, uh, Pycon kind of falls like right into Janimba's hands because I think he gets distracted and Janimba like literally squishes his head in between his fists. And then we just don't see Pycon the rest of the movie. Nope. Like, I, did, he, did he die? He's the new Krillin. I mean, <laughs> wow. Like, I felt so bad for Pycon in this movie. He does not get good service at all. No, but this time. The fusion is successful, and it has an awesome animation yeah, with it. Yeah, Gogeta looks really cool here. Like, it's a really great scene. Yeah, and so he's 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 not canon for another twenty five years, but he's the new hotness. Yeah, um, that's right. And he's he's already in Super Saiyan mode and everything. So this this brings me back to I think I teased this in one of the previous episodes of Kyo Cinema, where Queen Jess uh, participated in a little Ask Me Anything that I. Uh, offered up while I was sitting at a graduation. And one of the things that she asked me was, who do you like more, Gogeta or Vegito? And so I would like to pose that question to you, sir, and get your answer. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, you know, I I think that I would like to go with Gogeta. I, something about Gogeta strikes me as a little bit cooler. Um, I, I like the way that he just kind of handles business immediately. Like, it doesn't seem like he has that super ego that uh, Vegito has. Uh, I also saw a really cool breakdown of the art styles for them. And if you take Gogeta and slice him down the middle, one side is Vegeta's face, the other side is Goku's face, whereas Vegito huh. is actually a pretty good meld of the two art styles. And I thought that was really cool, that like you can very clearly see the difference on the either side of the face. Uh, but in general, like having seen Gogeta and Super and now this versus Vegito in the, the main series, I like Gogeta better. Something about him, I just, I don't know, I think he's got a cooler design. And I like the fact that he just gets in, takes care of business and gets out, if that makes sense. Yeah, I agree 100%, um, which is interesting because prior to the Broly movie, Gogeta is on screen for all of about two minutes in this movie. Yeah. No, no, no word of a lie, two minutes. Vegito gets a couple of episodes in um, in Dragon Ball Z and then several episodes, like practically half of an arc in Dragon Ball Super, even before Broly came out. So he's more prominent and was even canon for much longer than Gogeta will ever be. Um but I, I do, I, I lean towards Gogeta for the kind of the same reason, like Vegito, I think he came at a really bad time in Dragon Ball Z, to be honest, like the Boo Saga is not the best. Um, and then they played him up for like silly laughs at times, yeah. like turned him into a piece of candy and he was kind of cocky. I will say that I super love Vegito's beam sword. The one that, that is he a like, cool sword. Yeah. 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 Super dope. That part is great. I um, I like that better than I like the soul crusher soul eraser cannon whatever it is that gogeta does um but aesthetically like visually i like gogeta better i, I like his attitude better um and yeah i i would pick him over vegeto every single time i did do some research on who they consider to be more powerful because and this was something that i kind of delved into and i found to be really a huge debate online with a lot of varying uh, opinions, like I was reading that a lot of people say that Gogeta is actually more powerful because he has that 30 minute period and he can power up as much as he wants and it doesn't cause that time period to lessen compared right. to Vegito. So he has like a higher cap, if that makes sense, from a yep. time period. However, it's more dangerous because Goku actually has to lower his power level to match Vegeta's to get into that form. So I thought that was kind of uh, an interesting thing 
thing. So people say that like Vegito could potentially be more powerful as well because the Patera rings are actually a more cohesive fusion technique. And so it bonds their power better, but then there's that time limit. And so like, there's a lot of really interesting debates out there on which one is technically more powerful. However, the one that I came across that I liked the most, someone pointed out that Gogeta has way more techniques. If you take all of the moves that Vegeta done or Vegito has done across all of the like canonized arcs, he doesn't have nearly as many super moves as Gogeta does. So I'm like, oh, okay, I, I kind of like that. Even just based on this two minutes? Uh, this and the super movie. Oh, oh, okay. So this is a more recent discussion. Yeah, this was a more recent one that I stumbled across. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of an interesting one. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, I would Gogeta hands down every time. Um, there's a silly scene here, too, where Goten and Trunks know that their dads fuse, so they decide to fuse, too. And I'm like, did they not feel Veku? Like, did they not know, like, when when well, they failed at the fusion? They definitely make a really big scene of Gogeta, like, actually kind of fusing together and almost like, because I think there's even a scene where the other world tournament feels it, like the great Supreme Grand Kai, whatever his name is, the biker one. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah. Uh, like even he was like, oh man, what's that power level? And so there, there's this kind of sentiment that like every universe felt this power just to start from nowhere, basically. So I can see how like the true fusion was more powerful than Veku, who might have been just as powerful as, you know, a little bit more powerful than Vegeta or Goku, but not to the full extent. Yeah, I like too when when Gogeta makes his appearance that his aura, you know, the like the yellow Super Saiyan aura that you usually see, you can it's finite, like you can see the top of it. Not for him, it comes in and just shoots up in a pillar, and yeah. you don't see the top of it. He's so super cool, cool visual, so so cool. Uh, super Janemba decides that he's going to power up, so he starts kind of powering up, and as he's doing that, Gogeta attacks with one punch. And like a knee to the back of the head. Well, I say one punch. It looks like one punch, but like Janimba has a bunch of punch holes in his chest, basically. Yeah. And then he gets kneed in the back of the head, which is awesome. And then Gogeta summons up this like rainbow key ball thing and just flings it right at uh, Janimba, who, as he is being uh, flung into, basically punches Gogeta right in the middle of the face. And as his fist is connecting, he just kind of starts to like deteriorate into what I put in quotes in my, my notes the final flash and then he just kind of turns back into that little oni guy from before yeah i just have that it turns janimba into the kind of static that you used to see on old tvs oh yeah i don't know maybe you could see them on new tvs still i don't know um but yeah then the sparkles kind of coalesce into the teen who was the root of all this trouble um and gogeta kind of stares him down but doesn't do anything. I think he might even crack a smile. Like he laughs or something. Yeah. Yeah. Then right. Gotenks uses Kamikaze Ghost Attack to finish off all the Nazis. And um, there, there's this really cool kind of touching scene between Goku and Vegeta at the end where they're both thanking one another um, for for the help and for the opportunity. And uh, it's just it's touching. It's a, it's a Saiyan heart to characters. heart. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it good, really it's a good moment there. They say goodbye it's, to each other. Yeah. It's simple. It's not wordy, but it's 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 loaded. It's weighty. It's even better, too, because I don't think either of us mentioned this at earlier on whenever Vegeta keeps, keeps telling Goku no. Goku is not pressing him. He's just like, OK, cool. Like, I get it, man. But, you know, we've not seen each other for a long time, so there's no point in fighting. Like, let's just hang out and catch up. Like, it was a really kind of heartfelt scene even then where you're like, wow, yeah, Goku really yeah. cares about this guy. And, and then with this scene, it really just doubles down on that. Like, Vegeta and Goku are absolutely friends and they have so much massive respect for each other. Yeah, and then Vegeta kind of turns into like a like a black and white sketch of himself, and then dissipates into smoke. And then you see the rest of the ghosts all over the face of the earth do the same. 
Uh, and then you see Yemma, happy to be back at work. He's like, I've never been so swamped, but I've never been so happy to be working in my whole life. And then there's a silly scene where like Goten and Trunks give Gohan and Videl a hard time for seeing the two of them kiss at some point. I think that was another diversion from the Japanese where like, I th- believe in the Japanese, what the two of them were basically teasing was that like they had sensed the fusion or were aware of it for some reason and Gohan might not have and they had that like secret from him. That's kind of what I had to assume because the whole kissy thing doesn't really like make any sense. Yeah, and it's not depicted anywhere, no, but it's, it's not. not to say that Gohan and Videl didn't kiss at some point off screen. But and then we're left. The end of the movie is just Shenron still wondering where the wishes are, and yeah. that's the end. <laughs> this is the end. Man, what a movie! What what did you rate this movie? Let's do some other things first what? before we get into okay, the drama. Now I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> so holler minutes one point one six, like fully eighty percent of that time is that one screen from Schimmel. Um, obviously, we're not doing. Uh, the Raditz scale stuff anymore because it would be bonkers. I was bummed Raditz didn't make an appearance. I think he may be one of the only villains that didn't show back up. That is true. I hadn't thought about that. Um, but let's talk about if if this were an arc, what would be different from your perspective? Well, I think, first of all, whenever all of the villains come back, that would have been drawn out a lot more. I think we would have had way more heroes and Gohan would have had more action. I think it likely would have had a bit longer of a drag out between him and Frieza or at least one of the other villains, right? Like I, I can imagine him taking out Frieza, no problem. It's been a long time. He's obviously way more powerful. But I mean, I don't know. I feel like maybe some of the other villains might have put up a bit of a fight. So I feel like that whole like city takeover effectively would probably have been a lot longer. Um, I definitely think we would have seen more PyCon action. I think he would have been more prominent if he had been part of a show instead of it being like, well, hey, we kind of need him uh, there to to distract or or whatever. Like he, he even all the extra scenes with him trying to break down that barrier are really irrelevant. I don't know. Like, I don't know what the purpose was. They didn't use that technique to defeat Janemba, so I don't know why he was even included after Goku separated away from him. Mm -hmm. There's not even him, like, a scene of him rescuing Yima or anything like that. Right. I I don't know. I just, that whole subplot is unused and does not need to be in this movie. I I don't know why it's there. Agreed. Um, I, my notes reflect a lot of what you said. I said that uh, it would have been cool to see more of the older villains fighting on Earth. And it would have canonized a couple of them. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so like some of these guys that were just movie villains would have could have been brought into canon, albeit briefly, it still would have been tantalizing for them to have been canonized a little bit. Um, more Z fighters fighting, of course. I think we mentioned that during the course of the movie. But the cooler idea that I had was not only do you get more of the villains fighting on Earth, but I would have liked to have seen the Kais be like, the Earth needs your help to the other world uh contestants oh that would send cool. them to go to earth and fight off some of the undead guy or some of the dead spirit guys that would yeah. have been super cool that would have been really cool that could have introduced a whole bunch of those characters and made them kind of more canonical as well i mean that whole stuff is all filler so man that would have been really cool yeah i would have super have liked to have seen some of those other world um tournament guys fighting some of the i mean even the scrub villains like putting the fish guy on you know Raditz or whatever like it had just been cool to see those guys in action on earth fighting alongside the z fighters z fighters having to acclimate to who are these people where did they come from are they on our side um there could have even have been some interesting like rivalries or team ups um co-op moves that come out of some of that stuff it'd have been super cool it to see been, all that and can you imagine like the ginyu force picking on Raditz? like how funny would that have been yeah yeah i mean there, there's i guess just you a get lot to of... see that in um 
what is it? The Hell on Infinite Losers. Yeah, yeah. yeah the t- well, the Team Four Star stuff. The Team Four the, Star uh, stuff. Yeah, yeah. The dodgeball thing that they're doing. They oh, had a little bit of that. And yeah, my my last note was Spycom wouldn't have been a chump because he's not a chump in the filler. He's like a legit. He puts Goku uh, gives Goku a rival. run for his money. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I I hate what they did to PyCon here. And I don't know, like, I really just don't understand why they had this whole weird subplot of like Janimba having a weakness that is insults and then nobody using it. They didn't even use it to defeat him. Like it just felt worthless. I don't, I don't know. I don't get it. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. I I think that our idea of the arc would have been way better. Obviously, um, along with what we would say, I would want to push for more of Gogeta. I mean, he's, He's on the screen for two minutes, and this is a almost hour-long movie, I believe. So very, very little time. But on the f- other side of that coin, I do there's something to be valued or or appreciated about the fact that he comes in, does this job so quickly and efficiently, and is no longer needed. Just like is a sweeper, you know, um, comes in, handles business, and then that's it. I mean, in the blink of an eye, he settles this thing. Yeah, it's pretty neat. Um, I did yeah, read online, so cool. and I I couldn't find any like source to make me feel like this was a hundred percent true. So I you know take it with a grain of salt. But I had read that uh, Toriyama actually saw the fusion here with Gogeta, and this was what made him decide to create the Patera earrings instead for the the TV show. Basically, thinking I guess that like the fusion dance had been outdone or something like that. See, I thought that that was I I thought I'd read that too, but according to the Dragon Ball Wiki. Which again, maybe you have to take it with a grain of salt. But um, I looked up Vegito's first appearance in the manga, and his first appearance was on January thirty first, nineteen ninety five, which is ahead of the release of this oh, movie. Well, then that now, can't be true. <laughs> well, it can be because it may be that the production of the movie was further along than the production of the manga, as far as like you know the depictions are concerned, and so Toriyama saw or heard of this Gogeta thing. And then he was like, man, this fusion thing is cool. I'm going to figure out a way to bring, to bring that concept into the manga without spoiling this element of the movie and that character. Um, so that timeline could work uh, just based on production schedules. I think that it could work just fine. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. All right. Now are you ready for ratings? Yeah. What did you rate this movie? Cause I feel like you're going to give it a really high rating, but I, I am. Yeah. And you're not, uh, I never said that. Ooh, I am. I oh man, I debated. I don't think it's I don't think it's perfect. Um but it's real close. I mean I'm I'm six easy, maybe could be leading at six point five. Like especially if you're comparing it to the rest of the Dragon Ball Z movies, it 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 is heads above a lot of those. Yeah, it's a good movie. Uh so what's your final decision then? I'll go I'll go 6.5. 6.5? Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm staying high. You know what? I'll I'll totally say hey, own it. Yeah, own it. Yeah, I I gave this one a 5.5. Uh if there hadn't been the whole like discarding of Pycon and whatever that insult weakness was, I think I would have loved this movie a lot more. That really threw me for some reason. Like I felt like they spent a lot of time to expose this weakness even to the extent of Pycon showing that Janimba had it and then it just not being like used but on top of that being unexplained what do you mean insults destroy janimba he's pure evil you think he cares what you think about him right right i mean like come on that was the the worst part of the movie to me was that uh and that's saying something because i don't think that it's really that bad it's just weird it's like why like it it detracted from the movie more than it gave anything to the movie so for me 5.5 this is an awesome movie 
Lots of great animation. The fight scenes are super yes. cool. Like, yes. holy best, cow. Best fight choreography of anything to date yeah. so far. And the warping, like the way that Janemba uses portals. Like, I loved watching the fight scenes. This movie's fight scenes are so cool. I do wish we had seen a little bit more Gogeta. Like, I understand that part of showing, not telling, is that he kicked Janemba's butt in like 30 seconds. So you go, dang, he's really powerful. But man, he's so cool. Like, it would have been nice to have a bit more of a fight scene there. Uh, so I don't know. Outside of that, I think this is a killer movie. Yeah. I, like I said, not perfect, but if you're measuring it just against its its kith and kin, it's it's uh, it's as almost as good as it gets. Maybe, maybe as good as it gets, even through like Dragon Ball Super Broly, which is going to get a rating from me that's this or maybe uh, it's definitely going to be around this. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's um, a really, really good one. It is. It is super good. And there are things that it does better than this movie, but fight choreography, I would say, might not be one. I mean, this is one of the best fighting Dragon Ball instances of... of, uh, This is one of the best instances of fighting in all of Dragon Ball, in my opinion. I agree. And it's also unique fighting. It's not just them throwing blows, which is what most of Dragon Ball Z is. Like, there's a lot of really cool moves that Jinem pulls out of his pocket, so... Yeah. Ah, so, so good. This is definitely one that I would watch over and over and over and over. If you haven't seen it before, it would be a weird place to jump on. Um, but it it it's just good. I mean, you you'll get some of the silliness with uh, you know, the the B plot stuff, but it is a heck of an enjoyable ride. Uh animation's top shelf. You get introduced to the biggest non-canonical, you know, love affair of a character in all of Dragon Ball until Dragon Ball Super came out, um, which is Gogeta and and then you can join in all the fights on the internet about which one's stronger and better and all that <laughs> exactly, stuff. Exactly, yeah. Well, I think that'll wrap us up for this episode of Kyo Cinema. But we have another awesome episode headed your way in two weeks. We're going to be covering Wrath of the Dragon, which I've actually never seen this one. Really? I don't think so. Like, I've got it, but when I looked at the synopsis, it did not sound like something I remember. And I, just looking at the front cover of the DVD, I don't think I've ever seen it. So I'm excited for this one. This is actually the first movie I've not seen outside of the live action ones. Well, I will be curious to hear your take on it with a, a, f- a fresh pair of eyeballs then. Yeah, I'm excited to see it for the first time. Uh, you know me. I'm pretty brutally honest when it comes to these movies, so I'll definitely give you my first opinion. I'll be curious to see if it's tainted at all by the fact that we've watched, like, what, 20 of these back-to-back? It's been a lot. It has been. Uh, but regardless, It's been a fun journey. It has been, absolutely. And I'm glad that we've got some folks uh, following along with the journey. So if you enjoyed this episode, please give us a like, review on iTunes or Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast. Come hang out with us in the Discord and check out Almighty Podcast every other Monday if you are into My Hero Academia. If you want to hear us talk about Vigilantes and the, the TV show, we've got a lot of great content uh, on Almighty Podcast. And we're about to finish up Vigilantes. We're very, very close. So come join us for that as well. Yep, we we love you in all those spaces. We enjoy the conversations. We appreciate the word of mouth because that's the only way either of our podcasts has grown, and both of them have. Uh, so uh, stay stay along for this this fun and enjoyable ride. See how it evolves uh, once we get all caught up, and we will see you in two weeks for a Wrath of the Dragon. Yeah, see you in two weeks. Come join our Discord. Let us know who do you like better, Gogeta or Vegito. <laughs> see you guys.